We're back. For the first time in a while, we're back with a new episode of Wizards After Dark. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, just in case you forgot, considering I haven't really done one of these since before the All-Star break. And today's episode is similar to one that I did, I guess it was a few weeks ago now, uh, from that from that loss of the Bucks when Chris Middleton scored 51, and I had Ben standing on over Skype, and we both sat in our living rooms, and we watched the game. I'm not in Chicago tonight at the game. Uh, all that clicking in the background is is Ben on his phone on Skype? I don't know what you are pressing. Do you have like a Motorola Razor where there are just click buttons on your phone? Uh, but there's there's some clicking going on there. That's that's Ben. I, we've got the game on. We're doing this in the middle of the game right now like we did a couple of weeks ago. Got pretty positive feedback on that. Uh, the biggest criticism that I had from it was you should do it when it's a close game. So I was like, oh, let's do it during the Bulls game. Uh, you're going to have the same criticism because the Bulls are currently winning 102 to 87. Benjamin, the defense, it's not ideal right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was almost, it looked like it was going to be close then, there in the third. There, Bertans was making some threes. They were moving, uh, getting inside single digits. And then one turnover led to some points for the Bulls and yada, yada, yada. It's 15. Um, yeah, the defense, man. I mean, look, I, I maintain that Isaiah Thomas was highly problematic for this defense that said as we've discussed all year it's not like at any position they're stout at, at, uh, defensively and you know i'm not saying that they, they fall into bad habits can't be got that can't be changed but when you play a certain way for 40 50 games it is a little harder to perhaps uh, change things around so without isaiah thomas what they give up 32 points in the fourth quarter to cleveland to blow that game and then they gave up 73 in the, in the hat by halftime here and now it's 102 points with 10 minutes to go. That is a defensive optional for sure. Look, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. People's evaluations of Isaiah Thomas's defense are correct. It was not good. The effort wasn't there. He wasn't getting around screens. He would get pummeled in isolations. Like he didn't play team defense. You know, all that stuff is is correct. I don't I don't disagree with any of it. Uh, but there was a there was a sentiment. I'm sure not by everybody. But there was a sentiment out there a little bit. Thomas Sadaransky just had a nice and one on Thomas Bryant, which is a nice little transition for me right now, because there was a sentiment that once IT goes all of a sudden, like it's not like they're going to have an elite defense, but things are going to get way, way, way better. And all of a sudden, it's not like the worst defense in the league. And maybe it's a middle of the pack defense or whatever it is. You look at the on off stuff from IT. And it's like, yeah, they had a 120 defensive rating when he was on. That's horrendous. But they had like a 113 when he was off. That's still really bad. And you look at the on-off stuff from like Thomas Bryant, for example. When Thomas Bryant is on the floor, even when he's on the floor without Isaiah Thomas, their defense is bad. They don't have rim protection numbers. They give up a ton of offensive rebounds. It has to do with Thomas Bryant. You watch the way Thomas Bryant defends pick and rolls, and 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 you can see it tonight. Like he does a thing where he gets caught in no man's land a lot, where. When he has to defend in space, he doesn't quite hedge. He he doesn't he doesn't quite come all the way up to the screener. He doesn't quite drop back. Uh, there are fundamental issues there, and then it leaves him, you know, it leaves him vulnerable to being being uh, you know attacked in the paint. Guys get a lot of shots around the around the rim, or they get to the rim, they open corner threes, that kind of stuff. And, and it's not just Thomas Bryant. I mean, Rui is learning as a team defender. Bradley Beal gets back cut a lot. And, you know, he's he's guarded good players tonight a lot. He's guarded Zach Levine for a lot of this game. We've seen Levine end up with some easy buckets because of uh, mistakes from Beal. Right as I say this, by the way, Thomas Bryant just had a nice steal. It's 105-91 right now with 834 left. But there are, there are personnel issues 
on the team that it's just like they're not going to be overcome. You can't just will yourself out of it. Like people talk about defense, like it's just desire and urgency. I've got people tweeting at me. Like you think they come out with more urgency. They're close to the playoffs. It's like, no man. It's like, if I went out there, I would play really hard. I'd be so psyched. I'm playing an NBA game. I'd be playing really super hard and I'd be getting pummeled because I'm not good enough to play in the NBA. Like some of this stuff just has to do with skill and physical ability and strength and size and athleticism and, they don't have defensive personnel. They just, it's not what this team has. Yeah, I mean, this goes to the very beginning of the season. Uh, I mean, expectations were very much put in check or, you know, lowered, however you want to phrase it, because they didn't have, this was not a team built for the playoffs. Now, the fact that they got off to a fun start, not necessarily saying a good start record-wise, but, you know, the Bertans, thing became it became quickly interesting early on that Hachimura was playing well before his injuries and then Mo Wagner you know uh, jumped out of nowhere and all of a sudden you're like hey you know this team is is, is again fun but like yeah defensively but that was offensively they were scoring at will defensively I mean as I noted uh, after the all-star game in the opening game of the year against Houston in regulation they gave up more points to the Rockets than either team scored in the all-star game I mean, you know, that that is that is nuts. And, you know, obviously that was the worst, but it's not like it's been significantly better throughout the year. They just don't have the pieces on that end. So I, I don't get so far. I don't get too frustrated from from that perspective. Like you said, it, it is what it is that you, you can't completely change everything. Maybe there's some scheme things you could do differently. I'm sure the Wizards have coaching staff has tried to figure out whatever they can do, but they have no great rim protector. Jan Mahimi is your best hope there. And obviously we all get Jan Mahimi's limited in other areas. And as you wrote today, you should probably start looking to use him less to use uh, Bryant and Wagner more down the stretch. But if you are considering the playoffs, then then Mahimi, you want to be out there and there's no great wing defender. These are things they'll have to address this off. This previous offseason was just about getting as much talent as you can, as many pieces you can to figure out what you had going forward. It's about, you know, doing the same while also trying to assemble together a team that could potentially, uh, you know, win uh, win more basketball games. Um, that's not, but yeah. So for the moment, that's not the biggest thing. There's other, there's other things happening tonight that I find more frustrating, which we can get to. But yeah, the defense. I mean, it's it is what it is. The turnovers tonight are so bad. I mean, Beal Beal just had a really sloppy one. They've got 22 turnovers right now with 7:40 left. I guess right now they're reviewing, and I've got the commentary off, so I can't quite see. They're reviewing a foul on Bradley Beal. Shaq Harrison fouled Bradley Beal. Shaq Harrison, really underrated defender, by the way. He's like feisty as hell. And Candace point, Candace Buckner pointed out on Twitter that the Bulls have a backcourt. Uh, their reserve backcourt is Shaq and Kobe because it's Shaquille Harrison and Kobe White, which is incredible uh that, that is pretty awesome that's fantastic uh Shaq Harrison such an underrated defender I guess they're looking at if if I'm not sure if they're looking at if Beal stuck out an elbow and it was an offensive foul or if they're looking at if this was a flagrant on Shaq Harrison but I guess by the time you listen to this podcast you'll know which one it is because I don't have the well, sound right, up right now the movie Angry Birds is getting a lot of promo because they have an angry they have Angry Birds uh <laughs> ad on top of the backboard and that's the angle we're getting right now so kudos to uh to those producers getting some good airtime right now. Yeah, and Bradley Beal has passed Jeff Malone. He's now second on the all-time uh, scoring list in the Wizards. Jeff, Jeff Malone may be the most underrated Wizard bullet in, in history. That Nobody ever talks about that guy. That guy That's true. was a, a totally solid player on some really bad teams. 
That's <laughs> and, true. Uh, no one talks about Jeff Malone. Second on the all-time yeah. scoring list. I mean, obviously people remember like the wins, but no one talks about Jeff Malone. Jeff Malone was good. Yeah, he just was on a uh, on an era of the of the team like after that the, the championship run, and he was a t- you know he. Uh, sort of the way like Beal is a better player, but sort of the way Beal is this year, like a, a very good player, borderline all-star on a bad team, thus gets overlooked. And, you know, it wasn't flashy. He did have maybe the greatest buzzer beater three-pointer I've ever seen. You've ever seen that, that highlight where he's, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yeah, where he's running with the ball. It's a terrible pass. He, he grabs it, somehow gets his feet in bounds as he's flying out of bounds. Gets his feet set, fires up a three, and drains it. That was uh, amazing. But um, yeah, kudos to Bradley Beal for for for, for that. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, oh, he almost added some more, but uh, not ball, ball knocked away. So, but has Bradley Beal come out this half yet? Uh, he sat very very shortly for the start of the fourth quarter. He sat very shortly. I, I wonder what they're going to do about minutes at some point. That was called a foul. So Shabazz Napier just had a very nice steal, gave it ahead to Beal on the on the break. Beal went at the rim and, and got fouled by Levine at the rim. That was that. I don't know if that was a foul. It looked like he might have gotten all ball there, but Beal shooting too. The Wizards are within ten now with seven thirty left. It's one hundred seven to ninety seven. I I don't know one hundred seven ninety eight now after he made the second free throw. I, I don't know what they're going to do about his minutes. They're, they're very, because I know what you're getting at. They're, they're very hyper-conscious, and, and I wrote this today. They're very hyper-conscious about his, his non-basketball game usage, practice, shoot-arounds, that kind of stuff. They're, they're very aware of that, and I don't think he practices very much. The Wizards don't practice very much, period. And when he doesn't, like, even when they practice, he's sitting large portions of that stuff. He's not going. I was talking to a player recently who was asking me, like, are they just going to keep running him into the ground? Because I feel like he gets smacked. And this player was saying to me, like, I feel like he gets smacked all the time. Like, are they really just going to run him into the ground? And the player joked to me, like, if I were running the Wizards, he'd never. This is a non-Wizards player, by the way. Uh, the player joked, like, uh, if I were running the Wizards, he would just, I would just have him in, in bubble wrap. Like, he just would never practice and would play 28 minutes a game uh and right now like i don't know if you can fully commit to that right now because like yeah you know you i don't think they're i don't think it's necessarily a, oh you're three games out of the playoffs thing but like there's 28 games left i don't know if you can fully commit to it but i think at some point you start dialing back at some point where you're like all right you know he's 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 got a 34 percent usage in 36 minutes a game that's a that's a lot it's a lot and it's really exhausting and the natural question to ask is what's what's it worth in the end well yeah and like look the reality is the players regardless of ever all the conversations the rest of all us all have whether it makes more sense to lose games and be in the lottery whether you know how do you fix these problems what's the future none of that matters to the guys who are actually playing all they care about is how do we win this game? And, okay, we can actually make the playoffs. Who cares if all of us would predict Milwaukee to win every game in the first round by 50 points? They don't. That, that's not their problem. Their problem is make the playoffs. So if you were to say to Bradley Beal right now, when, you know, the playoffs are – forget record and whether the Wizards are, 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 are playoff worthy or anything like that. 
the, the playoffs were tangibly there. You could reach out and, and grab a playoff berth if you got on a hot streak, and, and, you know, Kyrie Irving just got hurt, so the Nets may take a dip or whatever. So you can't, I don't think realistically you can go to Bradley Beal and say, hey, man, um, we're going to start cutting you back your minutes. So I, I suspect that's not realistic. You're right. At some point here, though, that needs to be made a point. But like my can I Ben can I interrupt you for a second? Because I uh, I've I have a can't. game observation that's timely to the game and uh, and I don't want to forget it. Here's a Bradley Beal thing, and Brad has been his brand lately has been angry everything. It's like all angry birds, angry Beal. <laughs> it's all angry. It's like you know he goes to he didn't make All Star and talk about it for two days. His uh, you know Kamaya speaks on the post game show. His agent puts out a uh, statement. All that's unprecedented. He goes to Florida for Billy Donovan's, uh, you know, having the court named after him at Florida over the All-Star break. And the mascot has a Bradley Beal should have made the All-Star team or All-Star snub, whatever it was thing. And he takes pictures with it. And that hits social media. The Wizards account is still they're playing in Chicago. The Wizards account is still tweeting about him not making the All-Star game. Like the game was a week ago. The not making the All-Star team was like over three weeks ago. They, this is still a thing. It's all it's all angry. Right now the Wizards were in a seven point game. And I think it's fair to call out the star player for things like this when it's a consistent issue. Beal plays hard. There's no question he plays hard. And I understand that when you have a massive offensive load, like we were talking about just now, you have to rest at some point. But Bradley Beal is in a seven-point game with seven minutes left, and he's guarding Zach Levine on the left wing. And he's standing there not in a defensive position when Levine has the ball. And Levine notices he's just standing upright. And Levine just took off, blew by Beal, and then Beal reached in and fouled him and picked up his fifth foul, and Levine got an and one. And it's like those sorts of things, Those can that contributes to the defense because that, that stuff happens. Like when Beal gets cut, it's normally because he's not in a defensive stance. And I, I, I get you need, your, you need your rest. You need to take it at some point. But the defense with Beal is a thing that we're seeing consistently, and that, that moment I just thought was a really encapsulating moment of kind of the types of defensive issues that we're seeing from him if now if the Wizards were a better team do I think that he'd be better defensively if he didn't have to do as much do I think he'd be better defensively absolutely this wasn't an issue two years ago uh but it's it's is contributive a word he just got the 40 points by the way as I'm saying this uh it's it, it contributes to the larger issue at hand when we talk about the defense that's all but now he just had a great end one on the other end he's having a great year it's just that's that's where the issue has been this year. That's where the problem has been, and he's been part of the problem on that end. For 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 sure. I mean, um, you know, so you mentioned the, the 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 minutes. I mean, part of what happens to any of these guys is when you have to play to these all star level guys when you have to play a lot of minutes and you're being relied upon to do everything, especially on the offensive end. They do tend to take things a lot lighter on the uh, on the other end i mean that's a pretty standard move for a lot of these guys especially in the sort of like you know it's it's up to you to to, to score points kind of world which is not an excuse for the thing but it's also like you got to figure out how to manage that situation and this is why i always push back on scott brooks when he tells us that he hand like you said he that the, the team is conscious of minutes and but they handle it on the um 
on on non-game days. Therefore, he's not worried about how many minutes he's playing in-game. And I have always the belief of, like, that doesn't make any logical sense. As we're watching here, the TV broadcast at the end of the third quarter said Beal is noticeably huffing and puffing. He's, like, at the free-throw line, bent over. He's, at that point, played 30 of 36 minutes. What does it have to do, then, with what you did or didn't practice the previous two days? In this moment... He was, like you said, guarding Zach Levine. That's not easy. So he's having to do that. He's having to do a lot on offense. He's played 30 of 36 minutes. He's going to be tired, especially relative to playing these other you know, crazy good athletes he on just, the other end. He By just way, made a great defensive play. Right. Right, he just got. He just got. He's, steal. I mean, he's listening to this. Brett, it's not even out yet, and he's listening to <laughs> us doubling, <laughs> doubling at the top and uh, making a really good fancy play for the steal. I, I mean, my, my, the reason why I defend Beal defensively to a degree is this i have seen him throughout his career try defensively and at times be pretty good it's certainly he's never been you know not necessarily an all defensive like you know smothering type of player but he's definitely been good and the thing about him just generally is he runs a lot off the ball offensively especially when when john wall's out there and he's running off picks he you know he's always very high in the league leaders among guys who you know run uh, the most miles in, in a given game and and defensively you, yeah, I, I want to. Oh well, Lord, <laughs> Zach, Zach Levine reminding everybody why he should have been in the dunk contest, even though he didn't want to be Oof. with a, a ferocious uh, runner down the lane. Um, all I'm saying is with Beal, it's not like the the desire isn't there. I just think that they, I, I just think they continue to misuse him in some way because they let him, they play him too many minutes and call him out sometime. I get this is a players' league, but. Bradley Beal has gotten into some bad habits, I think, on both ends of the court, and I would guess in part because nobody calls him out for anything. They let him kind of do what he wants. That, that, I mean, like LeBron can maybe get that treatment. I don't know if anybody else in the league should. <laughs> and and I, I get I get it, but, like, this is part of the deal. I think we saw the same thing with John Wall to some degree over the years. Randy Whitman was good about calling him out, but I don't think Scott Brooks is in his DNA to tell the star player, hey, man, you got to do this, that, or the other. If Beal's not playing defense, sit him. I know that sounds nuts, but, like, how is he going to – if you don't ever call him out, why is he going to do things differently necessarily? Yeah, I, I don't think he can sit him. I wouldn't do that. I mean, maybe no. maybe arrest him. I, I think it's a good point. Yeah, I don't mean the bench minutes, him. I though. just mean take him out of the game. Like, he, he doesn't need to play 40-something minutes. Right. No, I think the minute stuff is a good point. When you play a lot of minutes, you're going to be more tired. When you're more tired, you're going to want to rest. And when you rest, by the way, he just scored. A, he just scored again. He he is. I mean, uh, he is he he is killing it uh, offensively. I mean, he's not just got he's, 45 he's points. He's destroying offensively right now. Yeah, he's 13 of 24 from the field, 16 of 18 from the line, 45 points. Um, th this is a. Uh, I don't, I'm not comparing Bradley Beal to Allen Iverson, but the, th the the year that the Sixers made the finals with, with Iverson, uh, the reason why that team was so good, well, he was amazing, but they built an entire team to take away, to, 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 to offset his deficiencies. They had a bunch of guys who worked hard on defense, knew, didn't need a lot, didn't need the ball a lot, et cetera, et cetera. Again, the Wizards are not assembling a team this year to revolve around Bradley Beal or to do really anything in particular, but that is like the thing. They don't have other guys to pick up the slack for him to go nuts on offense because defensively, they are not good all over the place. So it just it, it accentuates him having to do so much on offense when he gets burned defensively because there's no help on the other end of the court. Let's, let's talk about the positive at least. Um, what do we got? 
the 45 points yeah no i mean he's i, I we've gone we've gone a little bit too in the in the negative direction um i'm not negative on beal for the record beal, i think beal's freaking awesome he should be he should have been an all-star he should. <laughs> oh should he have been why is no one talking about that why is no one talking about how beal should have been an all-star i have a i just am, am if i were a wizards fan I would be really excited about how much he has been valuing the free throw line lately. 18 free throws tonight. He last five games or so, so he's really getting there six and a half, seven times a game, which is the fact that we're talking about that is not a lot is great for Bradley Beal's development as a scorer because six and a half, seven times a game at the line is a lot. The last 11 or 12 games, whatever it is, he's getting to the line 11 times a game. And he's gotten there. That number is going to go up because he's got, he's 16 for 18 from the line right now. And there's still three minutes and 27 seconds remaining in this game. Chicago leads 119 to 109. And that's how you get 45 points on 24 shots. And it's a conscious adjustment. He's not on a free throw hot streak. He is, he is going for moves that allows him to get to the line more. He is doing that little Harden thing where he holds the ball out and he's gotten really good at it, where he holds the ball out and baits the defender. And then right when somebody comes in to try to swipe it, he lifts his arm and gets that foul. He's doing that a lot during games now. Now he's doing it really well. He doesn't like playing this way. I've talked about it with him. He does not enjoy this style of basketball that much, but he's realized how effective it can be. He's realized how efficient getting to the line can make you. And I think he kind of always, I think he always knew that from a strategic standpoint, but I think he's figured out how he can fit that style into his game. I don't think this is a fluke. I think Bradley Beal is, I mean, 11 times is a lot, but I think Bradley Beal, oh, Thad Young just had a sick move. That was an amazing move. Three down hard. That was great. uh, Yeah, great move for Thad Young. Uh, It looked like like Paul George or something out there. Uh, I I think he's going to, I think these last 28 games, he is going to continue to get to the line a lot. That's it. I I think it's very encouraging for his development as as an elite scorer. I think, I think, I, I, like I said, I'm not one who harps on his defensive numbers or issues because he's having to do so much on the other end of the court, and he has proven to be. I mean, I don't think a lot of people thought going into this year, even people around the team on a regular basis, necessarily thought Bradley Beal could get could be as offensively dominant as he's been this year, considering you know the relative lack of help around him. I mean, as much as we talk about Bertans, I mean, you know, what else is there on this team right now? you know, over the course of the season that consistently helps him offensively. I mean, not much, uh, you know, Ish Smith is fine, but he's not like a dynamic, you know, point guard, uh, you know, on, on a, in any aspect. So um, Bradley Beal has to do so, so much. And it's, it's quite impressive to, to see what he's been able to do. Obviously, sometimes we do see guys score a lot of points on losing teams. Maybe there's a little bit of that, but the, 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 like you said, the sort of the type of way he's scoring, it isn't just, you know, some games, yes, he takes a lot of shots. There's no argument about that, and they need him to, but he, he's become more efficient. He's become more versatile with, with, with the way he's getting getting the points, um, attacking the rim in different ways. You know, he can still work on his ball handling and, and, and some other things. This three-point shot this year, I think because of 
the um, attention he gets, the volume of work, maybe the minutes, his definitely the percentage is way down from his norm. So, you know, that's I think that goes up once he gets better teammates around him and gets some cleaner looks at times. But, uh, yeah, no, Bradley Beal has been um, all kinds of uh, dynamic. Um, But but he hasn't been people talk about the three point percentage being down, by the way. But he hasn't been inefficient. Like, he's 53% on twos, which is still really good. He's got a 51% effective field goal percentage, which is kind of fine. And because he's getting to the line so much this year, he's got the highest free throw rate of his career by far. Because he's getting to the line so much, he's got a 57% true shooting, which is above league average. So he's got a 34% usage, which is like top five in the league, and a 57% true shooting, which is above average. I mean, that's... That's fine. That's that's good offense. That's that's really good offense. So he hasn't been inefficient. He's not making threes. He hasn't hit his threes. But in other aspects of the game, he has been an efficient high usage scorer. Uh, so people harp too much on the three point shooting because other he has found other really effective ways to score, and it all comes together as one package. And that one package is still an efficient high usage guy. Uh, sure. I mean, this, the, the, this is just his numbers are, uh, are, are, are down. Um, since we are supposed to be technically talking about this game, according to the rules of the podcast, Screw they the, the timeout. <laughs> well, they went the timeout, but I was looking out on the court and they had out there, Mo Wagner, Rory Hachimura and Davis Bertans together. It's like, to me, this is the type of lineup that I find interesting going forward, because one of the big things that we've all talked about, at least I have, and I think we've talked about it here is when you get to the off season and you've got to make this decision on Bertans, I mean, I think we have a sense of what their decision is to pay him, but like part of it is, can you use Bertans and Hachimura together, um, you know, down the stretch of a close game? This is not a close game, nor is it a big game, but whatever. And then you have the question of, well, who's going to play minutes at center? Like, can he, if, if neither one of those guys is really a five, do you play them at five or do you play Wagner or, or Bryant? So it's uh, lineups like this, I, I, I think are to me as interesting as anything else down the stretch of the season to see what can you gain? Can, you know, is it conceivable that you could play these three guys together? I mean, obviously, uh, Bertans is a great shooter. Mo Wagner has been incredibly efficient most of the season. Hachi Moore is the best, you know, probably athlete. Of the three, but you know you don't have some rim protection. You don't have great uh, speed on the wing, but you, you know you have good height. Uh, you know, so I, oh wow, Beal's got fifty. How about that? Sorry to interrupt. No, no. I no, feel no, like I, we I add to the aura when we comment. I, I, I was, uh, I was, a, I had paused for half a second, so I was a second behind, or I would have done the same. So yeah, it's mm. good call, Bradley Beal again. Anyway, so I, stuff like this to me is what I, what I'm going to find interesting down the stretch of the season. What what lineup combinations uh, do they use, especially with the front court, because that's where they have a lot of guys probably coming back. And what, but it's still hard to see how they all kind of fit together. Yeah, I mean that was the thing with with wanting to resign Bertans, and I've I've addressed that before on this podcast, right? You you bring him back, and and he's gonna be part of your important lineups because you don't pay someone that much money if you don't anticipate them being part of your important lineups and if you want really to be part of your important lineups and you want to have some amount of rim protection, then that means playing those two together as your two forwards. And you got to figure out what you're going to do defensively. It's just, it's a little, it's a little bit, uh, you know, square peg round. Holy, uh, the wizards, by the way, are, are conceding the game. Now they're, they're pulling the starters. It's one twenty-seven, And Beal's got 53, hit another three, uh, uh, in, in, in during those comments. So, uh, 
yeah, 15 for 27 from the field, 18 for 20 from the line. Uh, you know, I mean, what can you say? Offensively, he was a monster. I mean, seven turnovers. We'll, we'll ignore that. You get 53 points. I'm gonna, I'm giving him a pass on that one. But uh, and also turnovers come with high with high usage, so that's just part of the deal. By the way, Beal, like sitting there on the sideline right now. I don't know if it's being tired or or or, or, or you're recognizing another loss, but he looks. Uh, about as depressed as uh, I was when I asked the girl uh, to uh, my fraternity formal and she said she had a boyfriend. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he really looks pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty that's, mopey. That's horrible. That happened? <laughs> ah, you know. Uh, what can you do? Uh, what can you do? Uh, he, he, but, but sorry, he lived in Canada, so I'm sure it was real. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh, by the way, I have. But since we're about to, I guess, in theory, wrap up here, I wanted to go to one thing you were tweeting about earlier uh, in this game. Uh, I think it was around halftime. When, oh when yeah, you were how yeah. You, I wanted to discuss this with you. Let's do it. How, how you were you were saying you were surprised over the last seventy-two hours about how I guess it sounds like you were getting a lot of people just sort of fetching about this team. Uh, yeah, and, having and lost to be clear, it's not just like my mentions. Like it's you know I've seen like local media members too. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, because so, you know, coming out of the all-star break, you know, there's some sense of but momentum. Ben, ben, we should define what we're talking about first. I was saying they're talking about the playoffs, right? Well, no, no. I mean, the, the listeners don't know the Twitter thread we're referencing right now. I was, I was, what Ben is referring to is, is just that, uh, the, the sense that people seem to be really disappointed in the Wizards starting off the All-Star break with a home loss to the Cavaliers and what is now officially a 126-117 loss to the Chicago Bulls in Chicago. Uh, and that, that people seem to be like really, really like weirdly disappointed in this team for losing two games after it just won five out of seven. Um, and I find that so strange. I, I just think it's it's weird that people seem to be so down on them all of a sudden when when the vibes have been, in spite of the, the 20 and 33 record going into the break, pretty good. So I, I think... You know, obviously, you know, there are some people who are unrealistic throughout the season about, you know, they get, oh, look, fans are fans. I get it. It's your right to be as whatever you want to be, emotional, realistic, angry, happy, whatever. You can, you know, you can find all kinds of positives on this season if you want. But if you want, if you're viewing it strictly from a wins and losses perspective, then, yeah, obviously there's much more frustration than not. Um, so it's hard to know, like, who are these people that are, you know, complaining. But, I, I mean, they were on a little bit of a run right before the All-Star break, and there was ample talk about the playoffs. I had some people, like friends, who sort of half pay attention to the Wizards, like texting me during the break or, or, or uh, you know, over the last few days, like, wait, can the Wizards really make the playoffs? Like, are they, are, 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 is that like a thing? I'm like, well, technically. I mean, technically, they're only a handful of games out of the eight spot, but that's only because teams seven and eight, are just horrific this year relative to the norm of, uh, of what you're kind of looking at in the Eastern Conference. And the Wizards have been – they've been better prior to these last two games, at least, better than expectations over the course of the season, right? I mean, they're, I, don't, I don't remember their exact number from the wins, uh, what, the, what Vegas had for the wins losses. 20, I think it closed at 27. So I would suspect they're on pace to beat that. I mean, not by maybe a lot, but at least they were coming out of the break. And then there was, you know, look, there was more talk, I mean, about them making the playoffs. And so when you lose, not just lose, losing is one thing, to lose to Cleveland, you know, a horrendous team, and the Bulls, a team that, you know, you're right there trying to 
to to to to to be to get in the playoffs. That team, that, you know, it's a quote unquote winnable game. If you're a team like the Wizards, even if it's on the road, people get frustrated. But to me, that's as much about like setting false expectations. I haven't one time this year mentioned the playoffs in any real capacity, other than acknowledging that however many games they might be back. The, the Wizards have a, a they're not a very good team. That's realistic. That's totally also fine. This isn't they weren't built to make the playoffs last year was a massive disappointment because they put in so much to make the playoffs not this year but i think the thing is that people wanted to believe and whether it's because they naively listened to other people suggest that the playoffs were a thing and you should start listening to that or you know that that's just who they are as a fan i, I think probably you know people wanted to you know i think that people got a little hyped at the all-star break and uh, you know Back to reality. Losing these two games is much closer to the reality than the stretch where they beat Miami, Denver, Boston, uh, you know, a month ago. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's a weird change. Like, this team is young from the onset. Scott Brooks, even Bradley Beal, Tommy Shepard, all talked about this is a developmental year. We're not basing it on wins and losses. When coach, When coach and management say that right off the bat, that means you know they're going to be at a lot of losses. I think the there owner have been, said that back yeah. when they, uh, you know, back in the off season. The owner who is like the ultimate, like, why can't we compete now? Kind of owner, right? Like that is that is, and he was still saying, "Be patient. This is about development. This is about development." We've seen it. Troy Brown is better. Isak Bonga is better. Wagner is going to be a legitimately good player. How good? Not sure yet. But he's going to be a good NBA rotation player. Real confident in saying that. He's been an excellent offensive player. He's feisty. plays hard. Troy Brown, going to be a legit NBA rotation player. Does a lot of stuff well. Bonga, getting better. Like, the young guys, Rui, kind of looks the same as he did earlier in the year. But you see little subtle things and moments where you're like, oh, okay, he got that. He had a pass on the break tonight. And I wonder with Rui, like, where he's at, you know, physically coming off the injury. Totally. But, like, talented. And the Wizards are really excited about him. And I get that. Like, there, there is stuff to be positive about. A loss to the Cavaliers and a loss to the Bulls doesn't change any of that. This is what they're supposed to be. This is who they are. They won 5-7 of seven going into the break. They won 5-7 of seven because they were playing teams like the Knicks. They beat the Knicks. That's not some phenomenal win. They should beat the Knicks because most teams beat the Knicks. They're better than the Knicks. Um, just because they lose to the Cavs, it's not that big of a deal. And people saying, well, it's the way they're losing. It's not that they lost. It's the way they lost. They are losing in the exact same way they've lost all year. So what is everyone freaking out about? Did everyone well, forget at the All-Star break that they are one of the worst defensive teams ever to step on a basketball court? And they have been all year. And I feel like maybe part of this was like the this notion that just getting rid of Isaiah Thomas was going to completely change the defense uh, when when that that hasn't really been the case. I don't know. It's just... Well, I mean, look, I would say this. Obviously, most people, I shouldn't say most, but I would assume people, if you're interested in, in the Wizards, right, you're consuming some type of uh, media to, to, to quench that thirst. Obviously, you're, you're hopefully reading Fred stuff on The Athletic or, or, or mine or David Aldridge's, if we commit or um, uh, contribute. And, and there's obviously some other people that, that, that write about the team and then, there's, you know, occasionally get some radio people. And then on television, obviously, we have this broadcast, the game, you know, the 
the, the, the TV broadcast plus NBC Sports Washington has their pre and post game shows. So presumably you're 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 paying attention to some of that. And I remember when I was a fan, you these people who were in these jobs often helped set the tone for what it was I was thinking because they're the people on the inside. Now I will just say this. I watched after the Cleveland game. I didn't go to the game. I, I was uh, the home game. I wasn't feeling that great, to be honest. I stayed home. And after the game, I ended up for the first time probably all year watching all three shows post-game. At least the TV was on. But I was watching, for the most part, for a variety of reasons, the, the, the post-game shows. And I'm not picking on these people who are mo- almost every one of them is a friend of mine. And I used to work there and all that stuff. The, the, the discussion about them losing to Cleveland, you would have thought the Wizards – it was like the Warriors had just blown a 3-1 to one lead in the finals. <laughs> the way people were, were, were so upset about how the Wizards blew a game in their playoff push. And, and there was almost no no discussion about it. But the reality is uh, the Wizards are probably on some level better off making from a big picture perspective. Oh, don't, don't couch it like that. Probably. We just spent we just spent years yeah. of saying, don't chase the eight seed. Don't chase the eight I, seed. What's it worth? And go go. Don't yeah. don't chase the eight seed when it's one of those years when like the eight seed is forty eight or fifty wins. That's cool. That's different. We can be nuanced about this. Don't chase the eight seed when you're twenty and thirty five. And you know what? They're not doing that. They made a they made a, a, a smart, uh, shrewd move in in sneaking into that Clippers deal and getting Justin and getting uh, Jerome Robinson. They are still prioritizing development. Tommy Shepard said in an interview I did with him last summer, the days of chasing the eight seed are over or, or however he phrased it and has completely stuck by that notion. All of his actions back up that philosophy. That's good that they're not doing that. Like this is, that's how you make the mistakes that they made. That's how you trade Kelly Oubre for Trevor Ariza. And then you hold on to Ariza and Jeff Green at the deadline. Like that's what happens when you're chasing the eight seed. So, so pick one, you know? Right. You're, you're preaching to the choir. My point is that if I'm a fan watching this and all these people are upset for, 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 for 90 minutes that the Wizards blew a chance to make the playoffs without any discussion for the most part about, like I said, probably because look, they're the TV partner. They can't, just come simply say they should tank i understand that more better than most but, but my point is that like there was the discussion if you were a fan made it feel like this was a bad night for the playoff push so to your point of why are people upset i, I don't i'm not saying all these people watch the, the, the post game show but like if you did this is a vibe that you received whereas like like you're saying the actual wizards themselves are not in that reality they are not uh, other than Bradley Beal playing a lot of minutes which is done consistently anyway there's no I mean I, they're not they're doing what they need to do to build this thing long term they're not like pushing for the playoffs starting from the beginning of the year on so the Wizards are doing the thing that you and I would agree with I'm just saying if depending where you're getting your information from the take may be viewed differently and I'm not trying to uh crap on anybody over there i'm just saying if you know if you're asking why are people sort of like uh freaking out right now i suspect it's because on some level people were people who are just casual fans who only you know they just know about the playoffs who cares if milwaukee would kill them and it wouldn't be competitive like at least like even last year if they had made the playoffs with the with the team they had let's assume they don't trade everything off they could have been competitive i'm not saying they win a series but you know whatever this team no i mean this is that would be the biggest this would be the the miracle on 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 f street uh if they were to beat the bucks somehow uh you know it would be that long shot so yes you should not be thinking of the playoffs but again i get if you're a fan you want to i get the players do but 
that should not realistically be what the tone of the conversation should be. I think we're in agreement on this one. Fan freaking tastic. <laughs> I think we're good, right? Yeah. What, 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 I don't know. What, one of these days, we're going to have to pull out the crystal ball and get a close game so we can both test out our play by play skills. But right now, we're just getting blowout cities. And uh, what can you do? I know. Well, with the upcoming schedule, might be a little tough to predict a uh, to predict a close game here. The schedule starting starting. I mean, really starting now because tomorrow night, second half of back to back, they have Milwaukee, and I will be podcasting after that game as well. By the way, they got Milwaukee tomorrow, and then they got the Nets. Uh, you know what? Let's do this. I want to go through. I want let, before we go. I want you to predict their win total for the rest of the year. They're 20 and 35 right now. They got 27 games left. I'm going to just say this, just say win or loss. Okay. Home for the Bucks, Second night of a back-to-back loss home for the Nets. I win at Utah loss at Golden State loss at Sacramento loss at Portland loss home for the Hawks win home for the, and then listen to this. So you've got two more wins leading into the tough stretch. I don't want to do it for 27 games because it's not good radio. But listen to this stretch they have coming up because it is wild. So you, you have them at 22 wins going into this stretch because then it's home for Miami, home for the Knicks. They could beat the Knicks. But then at Boston, home for the Thunder, at Philly, at Brooklyn, at Atlanta, home for Milwaukee, home for Boston, home for Phoenix, at Milwaukee, home for the Lakers second night of a back-to-back. And then you got the Pelicans, and then you got Philly again, and then you got Indiana, and then you got Toronto, and then you've got at Houston. Good God. How many of those games are they going to win? I mean, that's how many of those games would any team win? That is just an absolutely brutal stretch. And they've got one of the toughest schedules in the league the rest of the way. And that month long stretch is the reason why. So, uh, and, it, and that's it, also it's part gonna, of the- that's going to be rough. And that's also part of the reason why, like, any talk about, like, you know, actually making a playoff run, you know, you got to factor that in somewhere to say, by the way, they have, like, the I think I heard, like, the fourth toughest schedule the remainder of the season, uh, at least going into today. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be uh, – it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. Forget the playoffs or anything like that, but just to see what this team looks like when you, go, when you start going through this schedule – there are going to be some tough nights, maybe consistently tough nights, and how do how do they respond, um, you know, a, a, as a team, and then also to that end, you know, how do the how does the coaching staff start doing dealing with things like Bradley Beal's minutes or, or or sitting Mahimi to let the younger guys play and things like that. Anything you want to plug before we wrap up? Uh, you know, if you are also a Redskins person, I will be at the NFL Combine all week starting manana Monday. Uh, so uh, check that out on the uh, old athletic and um, you know, that's about it. And uh, I'm going to be podcasting again tomorrow night after the Milwaukee game. Uh, please let me know if you're on like Twitter or something like that, or, or if you want to leave, if you want to leave a review, that's always great on iTunes, give us five stars. That's awesome. And if you have feedback for these specific kinds of episodes where we do them in the show, like we said, they'd obviously be better if we did them during close game, hard to predict the close games. If you have feedback, you know, we're, we're doing this. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, hit me up on Twitter, 
I'll respond there and I'll see it. And and I'd like to know whatever you guys thought with just kind of the format of starting in the fourth quarter and kind of talking about the game as we do it. This is the second time we've done it. I uh, got pretty, pretty positive feedback. And I, I appreciated all the feedback as long as it's constructive. I appreciate all of it because I, I want to make the experience as good as possible for you guys. And we hadn't done this before. And I, I realize it could be weird talking about the game when people aren't actually watching it along with us. Like it's not actual live play by play, you know, so I, I want I want to make it as uh you know fluid as possible for the listeners so let me know on that front like i said back on uh i guess for a tuesday morning episode after the milwaukee game uh, i'm gonna have a mo wagner story up this week working on a couple other things this week you can check out the athletic you can subscribe to the athletic if you're not already a subscriber you can subscribe to the athletic and you can get 40 percent off on an annual subscription if you go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark again that's 40 percent off on an annual subscription at the athletic.com slash wizards after dark check that out there uh i will be back tomorrow night and i will talk to you guys then